Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today I'm joined by comics artist Dave Acosta. We're going to be talking about the original graphic novel, Dragon, which he wrote, or rather that he produced with Saladin Ahmed, Chris O'Halloran, Hassan Oatsmane Elloway, with Nate Cosby on edits. Dave has also worked on books like The Ongoing Terror War, Elvira, The Shadow, and Doc Savage. Dave, thanks so much for joining today. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I the main reason I want to have you on, uh, first of all, was I got my copy of Dragon this year, kickstarted um, a little while back, which you did with Saladin and Crew, and it's one of my favorite books of the year. Love, love Dragon. I think it's awesome. Um, for folks who don't know, we'll have a link in the show notes and all that fun stuff. Uh, but basically, you know, it's a Dracula tale, but it's reimagined, and it's reimagined in some really significant ways. Um, told from the lens of, you know, the Muslim people and territories that are often ignored in versions of Dracula stories that we've seen before. And then on top of that, you know, Dave, the part that, that definitely I think you help sell a lot is design and demon possession and just different takes on Dracula. Let's let's start right there. Like you're coming into a project. It's a Dracula book. This is tried and true territory for story. Um, what got you excited about this one? Like, what what got you excited about doing this version? Uh, Saladin just said it's Dracula, Ottoman Empire era, and it's a nun and a Muslim warrior team up to fight him. And I'm like, say no more. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> I mean, I love. I've been very lucky that a lot of my career has been drawing um, horror comics, which. I didn't realize was an option. I love horror. And um, so that's absolutely my passion. So it doesn't, you know, you don't have to work too hard to get me to draw a Dracula story. But to me, the part that was really intriguing was the time and place and the characters. Because you've seen Vlad the Impaler before, but the medieval world we think of as be was cut off. Uh, but there were actual trade routes and um, that crossed these cultures, you know, with the Romania and the Ottoman Empire. They were all like all up in each other's business all the time. We think of them separate, but they weren't really. So they're what like and Saladin said to me, he's like, well, you know how Vlad the Impaler is famous for putting heads on pikes, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And he goes, well, those heads had turbans. You know, that's part of the history mm -hmm. that you don't really appreciate uh and so just having that aspect of it and having the two lead characters have you know different faiths attacking the same dracula that was super intriguing to me gotcha gotcha so let's talk about the the horror influences first um you know i, I saw somewhere you mentioned that you like to watch horror movies while you draw like what are some of your your go-to favorites um or like a recent favorite that like you would have on you know while you're drawing this book well, when this book really clicked for me, because it was kind of tricky, the medieval setting is fun, but as far as doing research, there's not a lot. You know, there's no photos or anything. Uh, you're, you know, relying on illustrations of the era and stuff. Uh, so, but what clicked it for me is Saladin said, this is our horror, our hammer horror movie. Hmm. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I got you. So it's not. It wasn't, it freed me up because I didn't have to be period accurate. What we were doing was what 
Hammer Horror would do. They would always have, and I kind of tried to do this. I didn't really succeed in the book, but every Hammer Horror movie has the same tavern, the same dining room, you know, mm-hmm. the same same castle, and the same garden, and it's the same sets for each each one. So, um, but I looked at it from that lens uh of what we were trying to do and that kind of made sense for me um my go-to's are i rarely rewatch. i'm still trying to yeah explore the lost vhs rental horror section of my youth and i just kind of like you know uh scour the internet for these little lost gems so but as far as favorites john carpenter's the thing that's my all-time favorite yeah yeah um bride of frankenstein uh night of the creeps and uh fright night i love too which yeah i think you can kind of see in some of my vampire interpretations because they did a little different style with that movie it wasn't just the suave guy with fangs you know they turned into monsters which really appealed to me and i uh had a lot of fun utilizing in dragon Nice, nice. Yeah, I know you can definitely see that for sure. So, h- how did you connect with um, with Saladin first, like like coming in this project? Because you're working with him now, like Dragons Out, um, but you're also working with him on Terror War, this, uh, yep. this ongoing Substack comic. Um, what was that connection, and kind of how did that relationship begin? We're both uh, Michigan guys, and I think we were put in touch by our local comic shop, Green Brain Comics, in mm. Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, they're really cool, and. Uh, they kind of got me back into comics because I fell out for a while. I just kind of stopped paying attention in high school. And then when I went to college, it was down the road from green brain comics and I kind of had some free time. So I duck in there and I got to know them. And then uh, I guess Saladin, that was his local shop too. And he was a successful prose writer, did like a lot of fantasy stuff and poetry. And uh, when he decided he wanted to step into comics, I think he asked them, are there any local dudes around? (laughs) Mm. And uh, they gave him my name. And so we hooked up back in, I think, like 2015. We did a pitch uh, for a comic uh, called Death From Above that Saladin and uh, Alex DeCampi uh, helped. She helped uh, him kind of put it in a a comic Mm. format. So I drew that because I was friends with Alex, too. And... uh, drew that and it went nowhere (laughs) but we did enjoy working together and uh so he kind of just kept me in the back of his mind for something later on and so flash forward to 2019 he's saying i want to do a creator own book it's dracula it's horror are you interested and i said absolutely yeah yeah that's funny you mentioned um alex DeCampi because uh her work with erica henderson uh, Dracula motherfucker. I don't know if yeah. you've read it. Um, yep. but that's one of the coolest Dracula interpretations I've read in recent years. And actually that was yes. definitely one of the, like, that was one of the first things that came to my mind when I read this, I was like, Oh, this, like, this has similar energy, you know, it of, like, kinda totally does. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Uh, I love Dracula motherfucker. And I was just reading it the whole time. Just like, just loving it, eating it up. But I did notice I'm like, and by that point, by the time I got it in my hands, uh, Dragon, you know, I had a significant portion of it wrapped up already, and and it was kind of weird that we we're both doing these very different interpretations, but kind of new 
interpretations of Dracula, and I just thought theirs was so cool. So I was I was reading. I go, people are going to think I ripped this off, but whatever, it's great anyway. So <laughs> they funny. can go ahead and think it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah, totally. No, it's it definitely. It, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a ripoff so much as like I don't know, like kind of a cool wave of comics right now where like folks are reimagining kind of what Dracula can look like, you know, and, and how you can treat these stories and take them. Cause both of those stories, like, like you both tackle them from very different perspectives um, and come into it from different places, you know, which is nice. Uh, I, I think, you know, a key piece to dragon is it's not the Eurocentric perspective, right? There's, there's interest in actually looking at the myth with fresh eyes, knowing this and obviously having a relationship and conversations with Saladin about this, like how did this impact your approach to, the art on the whole thing. You know, I wanted to do something different um, just because it was a different kind of story. And I thought I kind of had this ink wash style uh, in my back pocket that I, I'd used a little bit before on a uh, graphic novel called Vessel of Terror. There were medieval flashbacks in mm. that story. And I did a an ink wash uh, style with it. But for Dragon, what I thought would be cool would be to do no inks, pencils only, and put the ink wash over that. And it kind of has a painterly kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And I just, I tried out a few pages in that mode and Saladin loved it. Uh, Nate, the editor, loved it. And so, I'm, you know, I just thought it would kind of just give it just uh, a different kind of look and it was kind of scary because it's you know it was a new way to do things for me and it was yeah. certainly laborious you know put a lot of extra time into it but uh i just yeah i just thought since we were looking at a story from a different angle i thought if the comics were produced from a different kind of uh angle as well i thought that would kind of fit with it so can you explain that, like the difference between an ink wash versus, you know, what, how you would traditionally ink it? Sure. Um, traditionally, you pencil and then use India ink or markers over the pencils, and you still just have a pretty black and white image. But um, what I do with the ink wash is um, I use a gouache, which is kind of like a watercolor. Um, and I use the lamp black, Windsor & Newton lamp black, because... Uh, that's what Tom Palmer used on um, Tomb of Dracula in the 70s over oh, Gene nice. Collins. Yeah. yeah, when he would do, they would do those Marvel, like the magazine ones, they would have gray tones. And it just creates like a gray tone so you can, you know, give values to everything. And it, it looks like a watercolor, like a, like a gray watercolor. Yeah. And so because Tomb of Dracula was a, you know, huge inspiration for me. That's like, well, let me do what they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. But, but what I didn't do is, I didn't use the inks. I just used, just pencil, and but I didn't shade with the pencil. I kind of did the pencils like I would normally, but then just, uh, you know, goosed it up with uh, this gray. So in the beginning of the book, actually, there's almost no blacks. It's just grays. Uh, it's kind of hard to see because Chris did such a great job with the color. Um, mm -hmm. But as the book goes on and as more of Dracula, because he's very distant at the beginning, you don't see him to the end. But as his character and evil is introduced, I do go, by the end, I am using traditional heavy blacks. 
mm. with India ink along with the gouache uh, gray tone, like ink wash stuff. Nice. And that, that was always the plan. Like that was always your strategy was like, when we get there, that'll be a part I'm, of his reveal or does it kind of just manifest that way? I would like to say yes, but <laughs> <laughs> as it went on, I just was, I just felt the need to have those heavy blacked out, like Mike Magnolia scenes. Sure. Yeah. You know, as it really becomes, you know, for the characters, especially it becomes a horror story. It goes from kind of a historical straight up horror. And yeah. at the end, it's, we're really introduced to, it's almost like a prequel for what Dracula becomes. Right. At the end, right. he's more like the the creature and monster that we're a little more familiar with. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. So did, um, did doing it in this style, did that impact or sort of change the way you would collaborate with Chris O'Halloran on Colors? for the book because um, the colors on this are phenomenal i mean it's when you get like all the action sequences when yes. the demons and the drac and the and dracula shows up it's like the thing just it really elevates you know to another level and the color is such a huge part of of signifying that so yeah such yeah, a great job and this is a colorist's nightmares to work like this where the the artist has the gray tones and values already because it yeah it's hard to color it without just becoming muddy uh and unreadable pretty much so chris had to do a real dance to make these pages look as amazing as he did uh the only i mean i would give feedback after he, he turned in you know 30 pages at a time or whatever and uh, i would give minimal feedback but what i did at the beginning is he's just like well what what are you looking for because it, it it's like i said it is tricky this kind of style and i said um make it look like a Mario Bava film. Okay. So I sent him stills from, and he's one of my favorite, you know, Italian uh, filmmakers. And so, uh, I gave him stills from black Sunday from like, uh, leather and black lace. I think that's what it's called, but, uh, just a couple, cause he used insane sixties kind of like the original star Trek, uh, you know, bold, like purples and blues and reds and yellows and chris gave that to me he yeah. absolutely nailed it and so it like you said when those action scenes kick off it's just like you know it takes it to a whole nother place yeah yeah no it's, it's definitely one of my favorite collaborations i think because you can tell that oh, the thanks. two of you are in sync yeah it's super cool i mean it's, it's such a fantastic book to to experience and enjoy um it, so at, at the the start of the book of dragon you reference um your thanks i think section it references the craziest year of your life uh oh what's, the, what's the story there <laughs> like what was you know what, what can you share there it's uh you know i think a common story i did the bulk of the work in 2020 and so uh -huh. sure yeah we started actually in probably summer of 2019 we put together like 10 pages the first 10 pages or so to uh pitch to publishers and um we actually got a publisher uh, and, you know, we were getting ready to, uh, I was finishing up my Elvira run uh, at Dynamite and I was like, okay, as soon as I finish up, you know, this last issue, I'm just going to do Dragon full time. And that's when the pandemic hit. Uh, and <laughs> suddenly, you know, it was pencils down almost for the whole comics industry for a couple months. And so... Yeah. The project 
dragon was going to be my next thing but then suddenly it's became a a back burner and we'll just see you know what happens with it and eventually rather than wait for the publishers to you know because the distribution just stopped everything stopped and so everybody got backed up so we didn't know when we were going to be on schedule again and so rather than wait for everyone to figure that out saladin said what about a kickstarter are you into it and i said yeah let's do it um and it was it was you know successful beyond what we could hope for so that went great and i said okay great so dragon now you know and i in the meantime I had another dynamite came with another uh, Elvira one shot they wanted me to draw uh, called uh, Elvira Omega Man. And uh, so I'm like, okay, great. Well, in the meantime, I'll draw this, you know, and then I'll go straight back to Dragon. And so I went back like in the fall of 2020 back on Dragon, thinking that in the summer when we did the Kickstarter, I thought, you know, as soon as I finish the project, I'll go right on it. We didn't know that I would be uh with two of my children i have three kids and two of them are in elementary school mm -hmm. i didn't know that they would be doing virtual learning three feet from me <laughs> for the next nine months yeah while i'm right. trying to do this graphic novel and uh you know it it did delay things you know quite a bit i probably could have finished it in half the time uh but you know i have a first grader here next to me that needs that is on zoom all day yeah and, yeah uh, you're trying to sit still and so that was just absolutely that was so hard <laughs> it was so tough <laughs> so if people want to know you know there were a lot of uh supply chain issues because dragon took a you know a lot longer than we thought to come out uh than it would but um because of supply chain issues but also because there were weeks where i could only get you know a page and a half done uh so it was yeah that part was chaos and mm -hmm. uh so yeah i had to give thanks to my wife for holding it all down while we were trying to just sure. survive so much yeah yeah no it was, it was madness and in some ways still is i mean i do remember um i remember when dragon launched it was kind of right at that perfect time of like as a kickstarter of a lot of stuff had shut down nobody quite knew when comics would or might come back um, to shops, at least, right? Or even when going to the shop would be practical again. Um, but I remember then there was kind of a wave of Kickstarters and being like, okay, I guess this is just like where comics are going to come from now. <laughs> like, not that they originated here, but certainly there was uh, yeah. a newfound attention on them. And I think Dragon was definitely one of the, the earlier, like you guys got in at the right time, I think, with that plan. Um and I, it looks I like so. it, it looks like it paid off, you know, in terms of I'm sure it was madness getting it done and getting it out on time. Right. But uh, but, you know, I think a lot of folks were ready yeah, to dive in at that point. It wouldn't have happened without all those people that, you know, like yourself, that were willing to support us. Like, I'm so thankful. Like, I, it means the world to me that uh, that so many people, you know, thought it was worth their money, basically. And uh, that's why when we did the Kickstarter you know, a lot of the, the Kickstarter game is, you know, you add, throw in different tiers and signed copies and posters and, you know, trading cards or whatever. But Saladin and I just wanted to sell the book. We didn't want to spend time, you know, on that other stuff, even though people 
you know, like it and they enjoy it. But to us, it was just, we're just trying to sell this book and get it into people's hands, you know, just as quickly and efficiently as possible. <laughs> yeah. So that we is a very bare bones that everybody's saying, you're crazy. You should be doing all this stuff, you know, but it's like, man, we just want to make the comics, you know? Yeah. See, I kind of, I don't know. I always kind of appreciate that. Like I generally, sure. if I'm backing something, that's the thing I want. And I just as a consumer, right? That's just how my brain works is like, no, like I'm here for the, the comics. I want the story. Um, it, it generally I'm like, well, can I like not get, you know, the 17 stickers, right. <laughs> just get my comic, you know, or whatever. Um, and like, you know, shouts to those who enjoy that stuff, but yeah, you don't always need it. Uh, it's, it's nice just to have the main thing. That's all have we it done well. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. So that's dragon. It's out again. We'll include links in the show notes. Um, right now you're working on terror war, which is coming out via, um, Substack, Saladin Substack, which is called copper bottle. Right. Uh, what are, what are some of the biggest differences in how you're working on this versus Dragon. I mean, we'll get into oh. the the plot of it, right? But what what's what's changing for you on that? The biggest difference there's it's couldn't be more different. It's a uh, a serialized uh, digital release. So it's like I put it, you know, I finish a chapter and it's out in two weeks, pretty much. Yeah. So you get instant feedback from the audience. Uh, I'm doing a more. I'm just doing pencils on this one. And I have my good buddy uh, Jay Lyston doing the inks for me, just to streamline it and be able to do it that quickly. And Jay just does great work and makes my pencils even better. So that's always a plus. And yeah, so I don't. Get, I only get the scripts, you know, in ten-page chunks, pretty much, instead of like a hundred-page, hmm. you know, giant graphic novel, you know. And so it's really cool to just be able to. Whereas Dragon, you know, I started drawing it in 2019 and people didn't see it until 2022. So right. this, it's like I, you know, drew it in April and by May people get to see it. Right, right. There's a nice speed to it. So that makes me go back actually. So Dragon, did you get, you got the full script, you had the whole thing, and then you started think, working on it? It was broken in because originally it was supposed to come out as three you know, oversized issues, like three 30 page oh, okay. issues pretty much. So he would tell me, you know, the arc of it, and but I would get the script. I got the script in three chunks, basically. So does that mean with terror war, you have less of an idea where it's going? And if so, does that change how you approach it? Um, I do have, well, I, we've talked about it, you know, overarching about the world and where he's, you know, going to take it with the scripts, but I don't know necessarily what's coming week to week you know i don't know what's you know each chapter is going to have which yeah. is you know that's just the name of the game with i'm used to doing monthly comics you know with dynamite so that's no problem at all uh it is funny though because and i like that way because it can affect the writer and i've done this with writer david avaloni a lot um mm -hmm. on our elvira stuff is i'll do i'll draw a background character as a gag or something you know on page five and then but and he'll adjust it so on page 20 that character's back and has a name and a backstory and everything hmm. so you got to be careful what you do because <laughs> like, <laughs> it'll spring things off in the writer and that has happened with terror war a couple times where i've just drawn something incidental in the background and it's like okay well now that's going to become a major character and i go oh well I, you know i wish i knew that i would have spent more than 10 minutes on the design 
Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but that's kind of the exciting part of it is that it's, you know, the final product is the finished comic. It's not the script and it's not the page, you know. You have to put it all together. And so it is, it can breathe a little bit and go where you didn't really expect it to. And that's That's fun. cool. Yeah, that's cool. No, that, that definitely... It sounds like a an enjoyable part of the gig. Uh, so, like, Terror War is it's sci-fi, right? It's a futuristic science science fiction world. Um, for the futuristic designs, I saw you reference the work of Sid Mead. Um, like, what are some yeah. favorites and and other inspirations you pull from when you're designing? You know, a, a Blade Runner esque you know city. Yeah, its default is Blade Runner. That's just burned into my brain. That was one of my favorite movies growing up. So it's kind of you start there, and then I have to change it. Um, and Sid Mead did a lot of those designs, uh, which I love. Um, I also love all the Ralph McQuarrie Star Wars stuff mm. and Joe Johnson Star Wars stuff. Uh, I love to look at that for inspiration. Um, but there's also just a lot of weird stuff in the world that uh, you notice and go, God, that's so weird. Like, <laughs> there's, you know, like a lot of brutalist architecture uh from like the 70s 80s that i use for inspirations as the background stuff like i used to work at um in the renaissance center in downtown detroit and that's the gm world headquarters mm. and uh it's so weird inside mm -hmm. it's like it's a brutalist modern glass and concrete structure on the inside and so stuff like that, that I just, you know, you keep an eye out for, you go, God, that's weird. So a lot of industrial yeah. design to concept car stuff. Uh, but I always I take that stuff and I try to make it look grody, like the first Star Wars film, you know, where it's like all these people have high tech stuff, but there's still dirt under the fingernails. That's what I like to do. Right, right. You still got get to, it, kick it, it to get it to work. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Make it look like, you know it's still 20 years old yeah okay very cool very cool i i love the intro too one of the designs is the uh the first terror we see so there are these terrors and um they're like these giant monsters except the first one we see is like an otherwise adorable frog yeah <laughs> but it's a vicious monster um like yeah. what ins what inspired your chores for for terrors are you secretly terrified of of frogs <laughs> Well, I love frogs. No, okay. um, <laughs> no, that was just in the script. Saladin scripted it as like you know a Sesame Street character that uh, it's it's kind of like whatever the person is thinking of their fear. It's a Stay Puft Marshmallow situation where yeah, yeah, whatever they're afraid of is going to come out in the form of these terrors, and so it could be anything. There's like a, a alien super soldier in one of them. Uh, there's, you know, a fire monster. It just, it could be anything, which is, uh, you know, very fun and keeps you on your toes. But yeah, it was like, how do you make that terrifying? A big Kermit the Frog or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the answer is dead eyes. <laughs> <laughs> just whatever it is. Anything cute could look terrifying if they have those dead James Spader shark eyes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. Secrets of the trade. Um, so the, uh, the approach to releasing Terror War, uh, like we've been talking about, is uh, Substack. Um, it's digital. It's, I think, 10 pages at a time. Uh, are there, do you guys have plans or talk about plans for like print run follow up or anything like that or TBD? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, we've been talking about it. Um, we don't have anything concrete yet because uh, we're just kind of focusing on the digital rollout. But I think eventually there will be uh, a direct market so people can pick up some kind of version in a comic shop. So that might be like, yeah, maybe next year, maybe the year after that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. How how otherwise has the Substack experience been for you? I mean, it's kind of a new thing in the comics publishing landscape. Um, yeah. Like what, what kind of like, kind of like the Kickstarter situation, you know, we're just jumping into a, just a, you know, new ground that we're just not familiar with really. Yeah. And I'm no one is, but so far, I mean, so good. Uh, they absolutely, you know, leave us alone as far as content. We, we do whatever we want to do and we put it out, you know, how and when we want it to go out. So it's been a great experience for me because, uh, Saladin just gives me the script and he goes, who do you want? You know, so I got Jada ink it. I got uh, Walter Pereira who colored all my Elvira stuff. I got um, Heather Antos is editing it and uh, my buddy Sean Lee's lettering it. So I just got to put together like a whole crew, like I'm robbing a bank. <laughs> so it's just been super enjoyable. Yeah. The ideal heist team. Oh, that's good. See, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it, but in terms of the, the freedom you have just to be like, Hey, I can work with anyone I want right now. <laughs> like that's yeah. cool. Yeah. He's, he was salad. He was like, who do you want? I go, I, I'm going to make the calls. And so, yeah, just get to make, uh, comics with my friends who also are incredibly great at what they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Very cool. All right. Good deal. So we got dragon out. We got, um, terror. Is there any more Elvira on the horizon, uh, right now or, or any other, um, ongoing stuff there? Some of the licensed stuff with dynamite. I just finished uh, covers for uh, the latest Elvira miniseries, which is called Elvira in Horrorland. Mm -hmm. um, so, right, yeah, right now I'm just doing covers. I did Elvira meets Vincent Price, and uh, I hopefully there will be another miniseries coming out soon, and uh, so we'll see about that. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, it'll just be uh, Terror War just full-time. Cool, just cool. Grinding. Awesome. Where should uh, where should people look for you? Where should people find your stuff? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Dave Draws Good. I know it's a dumb handle, but I I did it 12 years ago and I'm stuck with it. Uh, <laughs> also, DaveDrawsGood.com is uh, my website where you can see artwork. I got stuff for sale, and then um, but most importantly, is the Terror War is up on CopperBottle.net, and uh, that people can read because they can subscribe and read Terror War for free. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the other important piece that I I glossed over there. But it's like not all the Substacks are free. You know, a lot of these are behind a paywall. Um, yeah. Different creators are doing different things. But but you guys are all everything on Copper Bottle is, you know, you can read it for free. Um, I think you can download it for free too. Like if you get yeah. like the CBZs, that's what I did, and just read it on the tablet, which is pretty cool. Um, did did like I don't know. Like I, I guess do you have a good feeling for like how that's going and like what that's doing, or are you just kind of head down and you know. I'm kind of just see head what it looks down. Like. I kind of don't want to know stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my job is to do these stories, draw these comics, and that's I can't. I don't worry too much about you know because uh, a lot of comics when you're in the direct market, you live and die by you know the first orders or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so when your comic comes out that week, those are your numbers, and it's you know. But the truth is. You know, comics are forever. So this dragon hardcover people have, that's forever. And these 
Terror War will be out there forever. So if people, you know, it, I'm assuming it'll build or whatever. It's going good so far. And I just, you know, I don't worry about the reaction. I get tweets and, and messages and stuff saying they dig it. And that's all I care about. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Very cool. Well, Dragon is, is definitely one of the favorites of the year. That is going to be um, linked on, on the CBH Best of Guide. We'll have links in the show notes, of course, to find the work and to find more from you. Uh, right now we have, um, we do have, uh, Terror War is free on copperbottle.net, but we do have, uh, we are serializing Dragon through the paywall right now. So if people want to be a paid subscriber, and that's the only way you can read it right now, pretty much, since the yeah. Kickstarter is over. Yeah. So is there, uh, I guess, is there like, how does a secondary run work with that? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> um, would there be one potentially? Uh, I think so. Uh, probably through a publisher. So it gets into comic shops too. Yeah. But yeah. that might be, you know, next year or even longer. And uh, sure. other than that, yeah, I'll just have some personal copies, uh, you know, overstock at cons and stuff, but Right. If people want to get their hands on it, the easiest way is uh, copperbottle.net. There you go. Yeah, you can check it out right now. I think it's like the first three or four chapters are up right now, so it's a it's a good amount you can read. Cool, cool, cool. All right, Dave, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for joining. I appreciate it. Um, for those of you listening, I'm Dave, as always. You can find me at comicbookherald.com and at comicbookherald pretty much anywhere on social. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time with another great creator interview. Enjoy the comics.